Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Brian, and along with Jeff, we are the hosts of this program. Hello, and welcome to the Bible Questions podcast. Uh, my name is Jeff, and with me is my regular co-host, Brian. How you doing, Brian? Hey, doing well and looking forward to the coming year. Indeed. And we're in the middle of a two-part series related to sort of the transition that typically occurs at year boundaries, pausing to look back over the previous year from a spiritual perspective and looking forward you know, into the next year, likewise, from a, a spiritual perspective. We also have a special guest with us today, Alan Hitchin, our preacher, who's the author of the material that we're kind of going over in this podcast and the previous podcast. Alan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, Jeff, and also looking forward to sharing this material. So for our listeners who may not have picked up our previous podcast, first of all, we would encourage them to uh, go back to look at what we might call part one. Alan, could you sort of briefly summarize that to bring them up to speed? Yeah, I think there's two passages in the previous podcast that would pretty well summarize it. The first one, is in Psalms 90, where the author says that the lifespan that we can expect is 70 years and by reason of strength, 80 years, and that we need to be taught to number our days. In other words, we need to think carefully about how I used this past year as the stepping stone to how I'm going to use the next year. And if we do that, our spiritual growth will be much better than if we simply go from time to time. The second passage is also in the book of Psalms, and it too talks about the grave danger of not assessing how frail we are and how we need to carefully consider, because tomorrow might be our last day, and we certainly want to go before God ready whatever year and whatever period of time we pass from this world. Certainly appreciate that overview. And, and of course, tonight we're going to pivot. Part one was sort of looking back in our rearview mirror. Tonight we're going to be sort of looking forward at the road, potential road ahead, looking at the coming year. And I know some people you know, will often sort of couch this kind of general reflection as like New Year's resolutions. And sometimes that carries with it a lot of humor like, oh, yeah, I heard you made some New Year's resolutions as if they naturally were never meant to uh, come to pass. But hopefully as we go through the material tonight, we'll try to emphasize its seriousness and its you know, ramifications for our eternal destiny. Brian, I'll, I'll toss it over to you before we get rolling. Yeah, you know, I was thinking after the last podcast where we, like you said, kind of looked back at the previous year. You know, Alan, one of the things you mentioned was how we should, of course, be assessing ourselves spiritually, and that seems to probably fit what we might want to look forward to, right, as we do set goals, is based on that assessment we did, what do we need to work on? Would you agree with that? Definitely agree with that. It's like stair steps. You can't get to the next step without going to the previous. You've got to pass that previous one. And so we've got to reevaluate what we did or didn't do last year in order to be properly prepared to make the best use of this year that we could possibly do. 
So, Alan, to kind of get us started, do you want to maybe talk a little bit about this whole concept of setting, you know, resolutions or goals or deadlines and such? Yes, I think that would be very wise. We've all gone through periods in our lives where we were procrastinating, but there was a deadline, whether it's studying for our final tests in school or whether it is preparing ourselves for whatever we're going to be doing for the rest of our lives. Those deadlines force us and push us to do as much as we possibly can. And so there's, there's something about that. There's something about setting goals, something about setting goals with a deadline that will create an urgency. And it will force us to get busy and complete that goal. And so we get these throughout our life. We get something in the mail. You have to finish. You have to pay this bill by such and such a time. A lot of people wait till the last day. It's just that's just how we work. It's a deadline. But for the Christian, we have an ultimate deadline, which is the day that we die, as Hebrews 9 puts it. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. But that final death, that final deadline is, although we want to prepare for it, for many of us it's so many years ahead that it's better to pick up something that would force us to do it more often. And so, you know, some people want to do it on their birthday, or maybe they want to do it on their wedding anniversary, sit down together and discuss how they've done. Or the new year, since everyone has this particular time at the same time, that's why I've always used this every year, because they're good times to create an artificial deadline. And and you were right earlier, most cultures do have an assessment period where they think about what are my what do I want to accomplish this year and you can't think about what you want to accomplish this year without thinking back to what you haven't accomplished in previous years so we need to set some goals and god is very urgent in the scriptures warning us that this judgment day is coming and you don't know you're just a vapor you're here for a little while and the last thing we want is for our death to come when we were planning on living another 10 years and we'd made our last 10 years the ultimate deadline, it's too late. So I like the fact that every new year we have an opportunity to reevaluate ourselves. Yeah, I appreciate your point, Alan, about deadlines, because certainly if we don't have an end date in mind, we may not and probably won't remain focused on it, right? And, you know, I guess when we think about as human beings, we are used to this concept of deadlines and end dates. So, you know, for instance, as we grow up, we can't wait until we become an adult. We want to emerge from our youth as an adult. And so we think about that day when we finally are called an adult. Or, you know, and you think about you're in high school and you think about that end date is graduation or, you know, college, uh, marriage, you know, someday. You have a goal in mind where you just want to be married and finally that day arrives. So, you know, setting goals and having target dates, if you will, or end dates uh, is certainly something we're used to. And I think, you know, the, the large point here that you're making, which is important, is that if we can learn from those things that we set deadlines for and we understand the importance of these end dates, then we can certainly use them throughout our lives to continually set these goals and work towards those goals. And so I'm wondering if you have a verse that you would use in the scriptures to help illustrate this point. 
Yeah, I do. I have a a go-to passage. I think about this passage a lot during the year. It's not something I only think about. As a matter of fact, I've memorized this passage, and I'll explain why as the podcast continues. But, Jeff, would you like to read? This is in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12 and going through verse 14. Although I will tell the listeners, almost the entire chapter is dealing with this topic and how important it is to do it. Okay. And as you said, this is like Paul. And, of course, we view Paul you know, very highly in terms of what he was able to you know, do and achieve, etc. Interesting attitude that even Paul here has, beginning with verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so... This passage basically has it all. You can see in verse 12, I press on. Then again in verse 13, reaching forward. And then again in verse 14, I press toward the goal. So Paul was definitely a goal-oriented person. And as I say, this is just a good time of year to evaluate whether we have any goals. And if we don't, this is a good time of year to make some goals. So Paul makes it pretty clear in verse 12 that I may lay hold for that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could simply wait for eternity to begin. He gave parable after parable of responsibilities and obligations. He was very clear that we needed to learn his word, abide in his word, go into all the world and preach the gospel, teach those who have obeyed the gospel. And in every generation, there has to be people who do this. And the people who set their mind to lay hold of what Christ has laid hold of us are going to be like this. And then in verse 13, now we have looking back, forgetting those things which are behind. And it's very important that we forget those things which are behind in the proper way. But once again, and we'll come back to this, but once again, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So you see the zeal, you see the enthusiasm, Paul is pressing on. And it's fascinating because nobody started as far back, as far behind as the Apostle Paul. He tells us that I'm the chief of sinners and I'm not even worthy to be an apostle. He mentions that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and in 1 Timothy chapter 1. But when he speaks here, we see a man who has grown in love and mercy, who has grown in knowledge and zeal. He tells us, I I work harder than the rest of the apostles because of the grace that was given to me. So the basic attitude that a Christian should have, and again, this is not something that we only do on the first of the year, but I think it's a good time for all of us to make an assessment at this time. And so we're going to press on. We are going to forget what lies behind. We're going to reach forward. And then verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, we all know that God called us through the gospel, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14. But what we may not have known is that it's an upward call. 
In other words, it's a call where God wants us to lift ourselves up as far as we can. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he didn't mean I'm going to do all the lifting. I'm going to do all the pulling. No, it's a yoke. And so this time of the year, it's very wise for us to be thinking about these things. Well, I find it interesting also that you use this particular verse because, as you indicated, it's it's kind of looking in both directions, you know, both backward and forward. And when it talks about forgetting what lies behind, I guess where my mind goes is in a couple directions. I mean, in the negative direction, thinking back and reflecting on and dwelling on sins and regrets and disappointments and all the sort of negative baggage that we could try to bring with us constantly, you know, from things that have gone on in our past on the negative side. But also, you know, forgetting what lies behind on the positive side, like, oh, well, I accomplished this great thing or I accomplished that great thing and sort of resting on our laurels from this passage, you know, not dwelling on that either, either negatively or positively. And then, of course, as you indicated, you know, looking forward out into the future. So to sort of handle the first half of that, Alan, can you maybe give our listeners some sense or some ways perhaps to kind of quote unquote forget what lies behind and if you want to catch that as negative or positive or both feel free well i think it's really impossible for us as christians to look back with any sense of satisfaction because we are now in a higher position and as we look back on ourselves say 5 or 10 years ago and we look at ourselves now we just realize that I didn't make as good a use of the opportunities as I could have. And I certainly better understand now what I should be doing, and I wasn't doing that back then. And so God wants us to count up. We are going to 70 to 80 years. That's what we can reasonably expect. And if we squander any of that, then we're going to feel a sense of regret. And of course, God puts it into a much stronger situation when he, in James 4.17 when he says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So now I'm looking back and I'm starting to realize that I have some sin back there. And I can't just forget that. God's method to forget, he has two commands. And we need to fulfill both of them before we put something out of our mind. The first one is, God commands all men everywhere to repent, because he's appointed a day in which he will judge the world. And this isn't something we just do the first time we become a Christian. This is something we do day by day by day. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul talks about godly sorrow and worldly sorrow and looking back on something that we've done with regret, not because of the physical consequences, but because we hurt God and we have risked our eternal salvation. The second verse is if we confess our sins, he is faithful to just to forgive us our sins. So when I look back, I feel a sense of discomfort, and, if, and, and I think we all do. We all look back on our lives, and we wish we could have done better. We wish we could have done more. And the best thing to do is repent of that. I'm so sorry, Father, that I missed that opportunity, and please forgive me. And now I can forget it. Now there's no point to looking back on it anymore, because now it becomes a weight, and it becomes something that's holding us back. And the Hebrew writer tells us in chapter 12 that we need to lay aside every weight. 
and the sin that so easily besets us so we can run with patience. So Paul doesn't dwell on the past. He was a chief of sinners. He did do some terrible things. But the only thing dwelling on that is going to do is, is slow him down, and he doesn't want to do that. And so before the new year ends, at the beginning of a next new year, we look back, maybe not even just on the last year, but even further back, and we see things, and we ask God to forgive us, and now we're ready to move on. I think it's important to emphasize what you were just talking about, and you know, as far as looking back, and if we find that we're not prepared or haven't been prepared in the past, making sure as we go into a new year that we are prepared. And a couple parables that Jesus talked about, the parables of the the wise and foolish virgins and the uh, parable of the talents was, you know, emphasizing that we need to be prepared for his return. And so do you have some additional thoughts regarding that concept or principle, I should say, of being prepared? Yeah, I really do. I think that this is, again, the, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins is emphasizing that the foolish virgins didn't have enough oil. And in the parable of the talents, the foolish man did nothing with his gifts. And so God has given us a stewardship. Every one of us has a stewardship. Uh, Romans chapter 12 talks about the gifts that God has given to us. The gift of showing mercy, the gift of teaching, the gift of... And whatever our gifts are, we need to be using them because on the judgment day, God is going to be making another one final assessment, and that is, you said you love me. You said you believe me. I needed your help on earth. I need your help because the church on earth is made up of people. And the strength of the church is made up of people who are willing to gain the strength and then give it. And if we aren't willing to do that, then we're failing God because he needs us. He set up the kingdom so that he would need us. And that's why we want to emphasize this. So after we make our assessment about the parable, we come to Paul again. I'd like to emphasize going back over Paul's words about his own life. And that is reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Now, I'd like to ask our listener if they have anything ahead. Do you have any plans, any goals? Is there anything you plan to do? If you don't have any plans or goals, then you're never going to get anywhere. Paul is stretching. Paul is pushing with all of his might to get to those things which are ahead. And this is a fascinating thing about the gospel. No matter how far into the maturity and understanding we have, we can always see a little bit further than we can do yet. We can see that we could be praying more. We can see that we should be more interested in evangelism. We can see that we should be reading our scriptures, our, our Bible reading. And sometimes we're not doing that. And so these are goals to set. We could set the goal. You remember in Second Peter chapter 1, add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. So there's another set of goals. How are we doing with that? We heard those podcasts, and if we haven't, I direct our listener back to hear those things. Because Paul's pressing toward the goal, and are we? And this is a good time of the year to ask ourselves that question. Am I pressing toward the goal? And if I tell myself I need to have a better setup, a better system, I need to set some arbitrary deadlines, I need to make some plans, I need to 
start doing these things because Paul saw each accomplishment as a step or as a rung in a ladder. So he sees it as a means to build on another. And so as we climb to the top of the foothills, we see the lower mountain range. And when we get to the top of that mountain range, we see another mountain range. And that's how God would like us to understand Christianity. And every time we reach a certain goal, that gives us the opportunity to make more goals. And so God wants us to move as quickly as we possibly can. And that's what Paul is emphasizing here. And it's what we need to be doing. Like I said, every first of the year, I sit down and I think about these things. These are not my words towards somebody else. These are my words to myself. I'm sharing these things with you because these things have been so helpful to me. I became a Christian when I was 19 years old. And so it's been many, many years, and I have been talking about these things to my brethren for the last 30 years. And uh, it's been very helpful to me to set these goals and to make these plans and to reevaluate and to reassess. And so hopefully our listeners will listen to this series of looking back and looking forward every year and just make an assessment of how well they're doing. Well, and it's interesting, as I was listening to you, you know, kind of describe, you know, Paul's attitude about himself, you know, the thought occurred to me that, you know, perhaps some people in our audience might say, well, yeah, certainly Paul had high expectations for himself because, you know, after all, he was highly trained in, uh, you know, the law of Moses, um, you know, Jesus personally, uh, you know, appeared to him on the road to Damascus, he was called to be an apostle, given miracle working power, etc. And so, of course, he should have these high expectations for himself. But, you know, when it comes to the rest of us mere mortals, so to speak, you know, he, he might not have that same sort of expectation. And as I was thinking that, there is a verse that comes to mind that sort of emphasizes Paul's expectations for us. And it aligns perfectly with, you know, what you were saying, that even with our children, you know, we certainly expect them as they grow older to progress, if you will, in their knowledge and their ability, etc. And there's a, a passage that I'm reminded of in Hebrews chapter 5, where in that particular passage, the writer, chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, the writer kind of condemns, if you will, his readers for having sort of lapsed back in their knowledge. It says, you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. So, you know, two thoughts. One was there's the expectation that Christians will tend to or need to, you know, grow up, to mature, to go from needing, you know, milk and, and soft topics, if you will, to having their senses exercised to discern good and evil uh, and can tolerate more weightier, meatier you know, aspects of the word. And if we don't, we tend to regress. Certainly true in the physical world, you know, true as well in the spiritual world. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, using our own children, there are deadlines every year. As the year draws to a close, they're given their exams and they have to pass those exams which means every day of that year there were certain things they needed to do because you can't catch up. You can't get everything you need. For example, uh, in our early years, uh, 
we had to learn how to write. We had to learn how to identify characters. We had to learn how to read. We had to learn our math tables. We had to learn how to add, then subtract, then multiply, then divide, and then move from there. And as we pass each goal, each rung in the ladder, we see this in our own children, and God makes it very clear that I'm doing the same thing with you. There was a time when you had opportunities to learn these things, and now you should be able to teach them to other people. Now, he's not speaking here of public teachers. He's simply speaking of people who, because they know how to pray, they can teach other people how to pray, because they know how to read the scriptures and understand the scriptures. They can teach other people the scriptures. And so I generally talk to people about this when they first become a Christian, and I tell them, first, you need to learn all the books of the Bible. Uh, There's 66 books in the Bible. Uh, There's 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. If we're going to be able to turn to the verses, we need to know where where those books are. So first you learn the books, then you learn the chapters in the books, and then finally you get to the verses. And so as a Christian, I can look at myself. If I still can't even find the books, if I say, where's where's Genesis? Where's Mark? Where's Ezekiel? Where's Revelation? And if you can't even answer those questions, then you are dull of hearing. Because when we are having a Bible discussion, you couldn't get there fast enough before I would move on to the next page. So just something to, to seriously ponder and consider. And it's interesting because As we look in Romans 13, uh, we talked about this verse a little bit last week, but this time I want to deal with it from a different perspective, and that is, it's high time to wake up out of sleep. So the scriptures describe the new convert as sleeping. He's sleeping in regard to many of the obligations and responsibilities that ultimately he will uh, take on. And so, in the beginning years of the gospel, we have to get rid of our moral weaknesses, of those terrible doors we opened before we became a Christian that we're now trying to close. But as we're growing in that, we need to recognize that God needs teachers. God needs song leaders. God needs people who will pray. God needs people who can talk about the Lord's Supper and talk about the Lord and understand what it is to remember Him. God needs people who can talk about these things and help the young converts to develop them. And so January 1st is just a great deadline to reassess how well we did in reaching the goals we have already planned. And if we have to say in our minds, well, I didn't have any goals, then we need to repent and confess and then forget what lies behind and begin taking the opportunity to wake up and to understand these things. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. Jeff, would you like to read that for us, please? Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Let us watch and be sober. Those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Here we see it again. Let's wake up. We have responsibilities and obligations that maybe we weren't aware of last year, but this year we're aware of them, and hopefully we'll be aware of more of them next year. And so we can't afford to be asleep. The opportunities here, as as the Ecclesiastes writer puts it, 
Do it with all your might, for there is no work in the grave where you are going. God needs us to be working now. And those who are asleep are sleeping at night. So we're of the day. And God says we need to be sober. Sober means we're thinking clearly. Sober means we're making good evaluations. And he gives three goals here. Put on the breastplate of faith and love. And as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So my faith comes by hearing the Word of God. That's why I I tell people every year, make plans to read your scriptures. Make plans to try to read through the whole Bible. We have a a section in our website where we have the opportunity for you to download a, a Bible reading program in which you can read every book in the Bible every year just by reading maybe six or seven chapters every day. And so we're of the day. We need to be sober. We need to think about these things. We need to put on the breastplate of faith. As he said, let's number our days so we can have a heart of wisdom, but that's not going to help us unless as we're numbering our days, we're thinking very carefully about what we ought to be doing with them. So a little while ago, Alan, you were talking about Paul as an example, you know, someone that we could certainly aspire to be like, compare ourselves to. And what you're saying just now, as time passes for a Christian, we have to be sober, we have to be awake, we have to be alert. And so do you uh, have a passage that you can give our listeners to help them see how important these principles are? Yeah, we go right back to Philippians chapter 3. and. At the end of that section, Paul says, you know something, brethren? I'm your example, and you need to follow my example. And he he puts it in a very interesting way, so I'd like for our listeners to hear this. So, Brian, would you like to read Philippians 3, verses 15 through 17? Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. So now we have a pattern, we have an example, and we have a promise of maturity. So a spiritually mature Christian has Paul's mind. A spiritually mature Christian is setting goals. He's pressing on. He is understanding and recognizing the needs that God has for mature people who can help brethren with their questions. You know, there's so many questions today about the second coming, about instrumental music, about women teaching in in the assembly, and, and about all sorts of complicated and controversial issues, baptism for the remission of sins. And God needs people who can explain these things to our brethren and to the people in the world. And so if we're not doing that, then we are hindering our ability to be used by God. It's interesting how many times in the scriptures God pulls somebody out of obscurity to do a job for him. So David was a man after God's own heart before he was called, and so God made him king after Saul. And Abraham was a man of faith and conviction long before God called him to come into the land of Canaan. And the same with Moses. Moses was already a very devout and holy man before he was ever called. And he was able to do wonderfully in doing what God, as a matter of fact, God says in Hebrews chapter 3, he was faithful in all of God's house. So if you're not mature, then you're still asleep. 
And maybe even as this podcast is going on, you're thinking in your mind, God isn't expecting this of me. This is Paul, as as you guys mentioned earlier. But the truth is that as many of us as are mature, we have that mind. And then in verse 17, brethren, join in following my example. So it was, it's interesting because Paul told Timothy in, in the first book that you have followed my example in persecutions, my example in, in evangelism, my example in prayers. And so we need to follow, join in following Paul's example. It's interesting, later on in the book, he says, the things which you have heard and seen and learned from me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So two of those are examples. So join in following my example, and then as you better understand Paul's example, then you look for people who are also following that pattern. And I hope that this podcast is showing each listener that that's what we're doing tonight. We are trying to walk as Paul did. We are trying to press on. And as I said, this is a good time of year to look back on our failures and our weaknesses and make plans so that next year we will not be looking back on those. We will have new things that we are now working toward. And so it's just so critical that we understand that we are supposed to follow Paul's example. We are supposed to have this mind. And if we have this mind, we're mature. If we don't have this mind, we're immature. We're still babes. And so God has given us our marching orders. God has given us, you, I'm going to let you live 70 years, maybe by reason of strength, 80 years. And during that time, I want you to have a heart of wisdom. And I want you to set goals like my servant Paul did. And try to grow as much as you can with the time you have, because I need you. I need you to help me in this work. When we consider Paul, when we consider the example he set, and his you know maturity and our need to similarly be somewhat mature you know we've been talking about looking back and evaluating past year setting goals as we reach goals setting new goals etc but can you maybe expand a little bit more on how do we know if we're actually reaching that kind of level of maturity that is like paul that is like what god expects us to have well that's a good point. Paul, in every book Paul writes, uh, in Romans chapter 12, present your body as a living sacrifice and start transforming yourself. Don't be conformed, but be go through the process of metamorphosis. The more we learn about the scriptures, the more we change. The more we change, the more we become like Jesus. And so Romans puts it that way. In Ephesians, he talks about putting on the whole armor of God. In Colossians, he talks about putting off the old man, putting on the new man. It just continues. Peter does the same thing, as we said earlier. And so, as I look at these lists, and I ask myself, uh, do I even have these goals yet? Let, not, not even getting to, do I have them yet? Do I even have a goal to have them yet? And Paul doesn't write these things because... He wants us to do as he says and not as he does. It's exactly the opposite. The things that the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to do, as Paul writes these things down, he says in his own heart, wow, here's something new for me to work on. And so as a Christian who is growing up, God wants to see us become the best we can possibly be 
And there's just example after example. Jesus does the same thing. He gives a Sermon on the Mount. He says, if you do these things, you're like a wise man building his house on the rock. If you don't do these things, you're a foolish man building your house on the sand. And so Jesus emphasizing again and again, if you abide in my word, if you do my word, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you're not going to do what I say? And how can we do what he says if we don't even know what it is and we haven't made any goals to reach it? And so looking back, how many goals have I set? How many things am I looking forward to? Going forward, I'm not going to do this again. Next year, I'm going to have some things that I can look back on and say, I have shown maturity and I am showing Paul's mind and I am following his example. So, Alan, how would you best describe the goals of looking forward to the future and being prepared? There are several passages that I would like our listeners to pay especially close attention to. The first one is in 2 Peter chapter 3, where Peter is describing the end of this age and the destruction of the material creation to make way for the new spiritual creation, the new heavens and the new earth. Jeff, would you like to read that for us, please? 2 Peter 3, 11 through 13. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? I take from this passage three basic points. The first is... I know that this material creation is going to be dissolved. I know I came in naked. I know I'm going to go out naked. I know that we brought nothing in. I know that we can take nothing out. All of the time I spend on material things are things that I will be leaving behind, things that will have no value to me when we stand before God in the judgment. But there are some things that will have a great bearing on my ability to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And they are holy conduct and godliness. And holy conduct, you know, Peter said back in the first book, in the first chapter, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, then conduct the time of your sojourning here in respectful fear and reverence. So holiness, and and it's interesting because the word saint, many times it's used in the New Testament to describe God's holy people because it's the same root word. It means uh, the, the person who is holy. And holy means I'm sanctified and set apart for God's use. And so, for example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 9, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you know how to possess your vessel in holiness and sanctification based on the conduct that God has asked us to do. Godliness is a very fascinating word, and it basically means that I know God is watching me, and I want him to be happy with what he sees. When I fall short, I feel sorry. When I measure up, I praise God and I thank God. And that's godliness. We're thinking about him from the moment we wake up until the moment we go to bed. When we're blessed, we praise him for our blessings. When we are ready to eat, we thank him for the food and ask him to sanctify it. When we are living our lives, we are meditating on his word, and we know that he's very interested in what we're doing. 
though we're looking forward to and with anticipation the Lord's return. And we need, as I say, day by day, setting goals, reaching goals, setting goals, reaching goals, setting new goals, reaching those goals, year by year by year. And the end of this year is the perfect time as we look forward to the new year to make these assessments. The next verse that we wanted to look at is Paul's final words in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. Brian, would you read that for us, please? Here it says, For I am already being offered, and the time of my departure is come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but also to all them that have loved his appearing. This passage is Paul's final words before he is put to death. This is his last book. From a chronology perspective, Paul wrote the Philippian letter while he was in Roman prison in about 61 to 63 AD. He was let out of prison, and he wrote 1 Timothy and Titus. And then not long after that, probably around 66, maybe 67 AD, which is three or four years after he wrote the Philippian letter, urging us on to press on toward the goal of the upward prize, he says, now it's time for me to lay down my life. I have fought the good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. Now, this is how I want to end my life. This is how all of our listeners should want to end their life. We set goals. We finished. We set goals. We finished. Finally, There will come a day when we've set the last goal before we die, and hopefully we'll have time to finish that and keep the faith and realizing there's a crown of righteousness. But that crown of righteousness is based on the righteous judge giving it to us at that day. And from the parable of the talents, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, from all of the warnings that Jesus made about many are called and few are chosen, We need to take this to heart because, as Paul said, use me as an example. So these two passages, these things are going to be dissolved. What kind of person should we be in holy living? And at the end of our life, being able to look back on our life and without too many regrets. As I said, there will always be some because we can never quite reach what we know we could reach. It's just the the nature of things, and that's how God wants it to be. You can't set a new goal and then not realize that I haven't reached this one yet. And God understands, and that's how God wants us to live our lives. So, Alan, in in those two passages, I think one thing that kind of struck me back in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 was when Peter is talking about holy conduct and godliness. And we've been talking about looking back, evaluating, and setting goals as we kind of start to draw our podcast to a close tonight, maybe put some finer points or be a little bit more specific, if you will, in terms of the kinds of goals our listeners may want to consider. Yes. I think that the life of prayer is a constant growth. I've often said that God speaks to us in his word, but that if we're going to have a conversation with God, if we're going to develop a relationship with God, then communication skills require not only that we listen to God, but that we talk to God. 
over and over in the scriptures, continue earnestly in prayer, continue steadfastly in prayer. In the parable in Luke chapter 1, he gave this parable to the end that men always ought to pray and not to faint. But at the end of the parable, the Lord says, I wonder when I come back if I'll find this kind of faith. So this is a goal. And regardless of how much you're praying and how good you're praying, keep looking at the scriptures and keep trying to fine tune and work that. I've always liked the passage in Leviticus where God tells Miriam and Aaron that I have a conversation. I speak with Moses face to face. And I like that. And I I think that's a goal that we ought to be able to struggle to try to reach ourselves. Not that he's going to speak to us individually, but he's going to speak to us in his word and we're going to respond. We're going to repent when we sin. We're going to praise him when we see beautiful things. And in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to give thanks, giving thanks always for all things. How many of us actually do that? How many of us, every time we have something good happen to us, our first thought is to thank God. First thought is to praise God. And then scripture reading, give diligence to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, handling properly the word of truth. And all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching, for instruction, for correction. And the man of God can be complete. And then Jesus' statement that if your hand causes you to stumble, if your foot causes you to stumble, if your eye causes you to stumble, cut them off and pluck them out. It's better for you to enter into life maimed than to have all of your bodily parts and be cast into hell. And so the Lord wants us to be assessing our ungodliness and growing in it and learning how to get it out of our life and ultimately to get it out of our mind. One of the things that was in the Psalms is, may the, med- the thoughts of my heart be acceptable. The words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart, may they be acceptable to you. So these are just a few of the goals. And if you've already reached those, then look at Second Peter chapter 3, or or the uh, adding to your faith, or putting on the whole armor of God, or getting the fruits of the Spirit, and putting off the works of the flesh. So I hope our listeners will take this to heart, because it is a wonderful thing, the upward call of God. And every year we have an opportunity to set this arbitrary deadline and make an assessment, how did I do this year? What can I do better next year? And if we learn how to do that, and it doesn't have to be just on the first of the year, it can be our birthday, it can be an anniversary, it can be any number of things. But the fact of the case is, Paul pressed on, if you want to be mature, you're going to press on. If you're going to press on, you have to have goals and evaluations to determine how well you're doing. And so I'm very grateful for this chance to share with you some of the most important things that I've learned through the years. They're so helpful because if we're not assessing, we're not growing. Appreciate those thoughts, Alan, and especially the point you literally just finished, and that is always assessing, always seeking to grow, and always striving to do the works that God has prepared for us to do. As we're told in Ephesians 2.10, he created us to do good works. And so one thing I've always appreciated about Paul is not only was he forward-focused, But much like Jesus, he wanted to do the will of the Father. That was his focus. That was all-consuming to him. 
And in many respects, nothing else mattered because he realized that was the most important part of his life, doing the good works of the Lord and preparing for that eternal life in heaven. Excellent summation. And as I say, I hope our listeners will carefully consider these things because it is our life. It is everything that we need to be doing. And Alan, as we kind of start to shut down the, the podcast, certainly appreciate you coming on board and sharing all those thoughts. For our listeners that might be interested in even more material, we would certainly encourage you to visit our website at biblequestions.org. We've got a lot of material available for your benefit, including if you go under the lessons menu item, under Christian Living, we've got a self-assessment form that's sort of like a sampling of different things we've talked about tonight that you can use to sort of look in the mirror of your life, so to speak, and, and do a self-assessment. Certainly under our topics menu item, some more general or broader categories, B for Bible study, C for Christian Living, P for prayer that Alan mentioned earlier, even Z for zeal. And certainly if you have specific areas that are either, you know, sin you're dealing with, trying to get rid of, or trying to, you know, stretch forward, though you can probably find those specific topics somewhere in our website, like A for anger, F for fornication, if you have a problem with money, G for greed, if you have a problem with pride, H for humility, M for marriage, F for family, S for self-control, T for tongue, just a very large number of topics with lots of material that you can read and understand the scriptures that are offered in the article. And then, of course, dig into the Bible for yourself with those scriptures. Also, I might mention, since Alan mentioned it earlier, under the study aids menu item, in the section entitled Bible in a Year Reading Plan. There are three plans there that you can use at the beginning of the year to sort of set up a, a relatively easy sum reading set aside per day, depending on which approach you would like to take. There's three options. And make it all the way through the Bible in a reasonable amount of time uh, each day of the weekday uh, in the entire year. So again, lots of material. Please come visit our website. Take advantage of the material there. And as always, Compare what you find with what the scriptures say and try to apply it to your life. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, biblequestions.org, where you can submit a Bible question to be answered. And you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.